Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Civil Engineering Vibe Podcast. Now in this podcast, me and Dr. Ghanem Kashwani, we like to speak about different topics. And topics like what we want, for example, startup, entrepreneurship, new trend, mental health and career and self-improvement and self-engineering and sometimes another thinking major. We like also to interview other people from other fields. So we like to get the expertise on how they can benefit us and benefit society. So let us jump to the episode and thank you guys and wishing you the best. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good evening, good afternoon from where you are. In this episode, we speak with Ms. Lujin. We met each other throughout Clubhouse, actually, a couple of weeks back. Then we kind of start networking and start, you know, talk. She's really amazing and she's mentoring people and mentoring women from a young age and from every age, especially to be civil engineer, to be jo- even to be joined in STEM major. We have a great interview with her. It was really amazing and fascinating. Unfortunately, you will not hear my voice a lot. I have to be honest with you guys. I'm so sorry for that. I'm even sorry, Mr. Eugene. The internet was really bad. I couldn't cope up with the half of the interview. 80% to be honest. Sankat Ghanem was here and he did really a great job. I really thank him for that. He did really a great job in the, in the podcast and in the interview that day. Really fantastic. I really appreciate him for that. So guys, go to the episode and listen and jump to it. Thank you guys. Wishing you the best. So hi, Ms. Yugi, and how are you? How's everything with you? Doing very well. I hope everyone's doing well too. Yeah, we're doing fine. So can you introduce to the audience who we are? Yeah, sure. Well, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Eugenia Lin, and I'm located in Los Angeles, California, in the United States. Um, I'm a California licensed professional civil engineer. Um, I'm also a lead accredited professional and an Envision certified sustainability professional, both of which focuses on sustainable approaches in buildings and infrastructure design. Um, my academic background is structural engineering. I started my career with water resources management. I work on projects like reservoir upgrade, flood control channel, rehabilitation, and sediment management. Um, then I worked at the U.S. United States' largest municipal utility company that provides water and power to city of Los Angeles. Um, last year in 2020, I switched jobs. So now I'm an engineering project manager at the United States' largest treated water suppliers. Um, we're located in Southern California. Uh, we provide water for 26 member agencies, or we call them our customers, to deliver water to nearly 19 million people in the region. Um, so I currently manage different capital improvement projects with a budget up to um, at least 10 million U.S. dollars. Aside from my full-time engineering job, um, I also devoted myself to teaching an upper division civil engineering class at Cal State LA. Um, one thing that I'm very passionate about is the whole teaching, coaching, and development of younger engineers, empowering the women and other underrepresented groups in engineering and STEM field. So about three years ago, I founded a chapter of Society of Women Engineer. Um, a lot of folks will know uh, Society of Women Engineers as SWE SWE. 
Um, and since 2018, I was invited by Society of Women Engineers to speak at their national conference to discuss my efforts in diversity at workplace and the importance of support groups like SWE and mentorship and staff development at our workplace. So in a nutshell, um, I'm a full-time engineer in practice, a part-time teacher with the lifetime goal of advocating to change so diversity and inclusion is the future to engineering and STEM. Wow, that's fantastic. Fascinating job from you, Ms. Eugene. So I hope you are, this is fantastic, like especially you're giving mentorship for civil engineering from a younger age. It's really fascinating because to be honest, to be giving like from a younger age this uh, mentorship and giving the school education and giving them that fantastic to be honest because when i am in my in young age i never get that i never get the opportunity so that's fascinating from you miss eugene yeah i think it's one of the component that's often overlooked by many engineers because we're engineers we always want to do engineering work um the whole concept of mentorship, coaching, and empowerment, it's something that's often not part of our daily job, so we forget about them. So, Ms. Eugene, you know, if I may ask, you know, why civil engineering and structure, you know, somehow civil engineering is notorious by, you know, it's dominating by men, and especially structure. I mean, I'm, I'm a civil engineer, but my area more with material, cement-based material. But uh, you went to the civil and structure, uh, where the more it, it is more mainly dominant than any sub area of civil engineering. So it was the passion. It was why structure, why civil engineering. So I started as a civil engineer um, because first of all, I like problem solving. Um, I think this is essentially why we became engineers. We like to solve problems and we want to integrate our knowledge into our daily lives. When you think about engineering, regardless is civil engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, it's part of our daily lives. And a lot of folks didn't think about it. Um, when we turn on the lights in our house, that is engineering. When we turn on the faucet, water start running. That's engineering. We live in a building that's probably designed by a civil engineer. So combining these different components of what I like to do. First, I like problem solving. I think I'm pretty good at math and physics. And also being able to make changes and be able to do something for the society, for everyone's life to be better, eventually I realized that engineering is what can integrate everything that I like to do together. So many people, you know, they are saying that uh, uh, when it comes for civil engineering, you know, back uh, going back to the history, that civil engineering considered one of the most diverse engineering. You know, we have uh, geotechnical, we have structural material, uh, wastewater treatment. And it's considered one of the oldest engineering comparing with uh, non-military engineering and back to the history. So involving the women and you know that now one of the main goal is gender equality as one of the sustainable development goals. How do you see as a civil engineer and a female in this area can make sure that it's happening? So this is a... Very interesting topic, um, gender diversity. Um, if you look 
at a global sense. Um, United States is a little different. Uh, we have different layers of diversity, um, not only in gender. There's a huge disparity in number among different ethnic groups. Um, so if we look at women in engineering or minorities in engineering across the world, so I'm going to throw out some statistics right now. Um, if we look at across the world, um, what really fascinates me is Australia. Um, I've always perceived Australia as a place that is one of the leaders in diversity and equity. But interestingly, I have, and I have never figured out why. Study shows that women only makes up about 12 to 13 engineers in the industry, 12 to 13%. So if we look at Europe, there's 35% of engineers who are women and about 10 to 11% in Africa, 23% in Asia. And Iran is the landmark of these numbers. Iran has more than 50% of women in engineering and 70% of all STEM graduate, that's across all science and engineering field, they're women. And that's one of the highest in the world. And in North America, women makes up about 23% of the workforce in engineering. And the United States is well below that average. So if you see women graduating from a four-year engineering degree, that only makes up about 20% annually. And when we move on to the job force or the workforce, women only makes up about 13% across the industry. And what's more shocking to me is that every single year, engineering field loses 30% of women in the engineering profession. What that means is if there are 100 college students who graduated with an engineering degree in the U.S., 20 of them are female, but only 13 will start working as an engineer, and we lose. It's a shocking number for me. It is. It is, it is a shocking number for me. Yeah, too. right? And, and annually, every year, we lose four out of that 13 that's working in the in engineering industry. So just to toss up that number even more, not only women is a minority, if you look at the ethnicity diversity, white male makes up about 50% of the engineering field in the U.S. And only about 10 to 11% of engineers are women from minority groups. So in summary, on top of not seeing a good number of women and persons of color in engineering, we're also having an extremely difficult time in retaining these minorities in our industry. Hmm. That is interesting, Eugene. I mean, I'm thinking aloud. Uh, I, I know it is like different culture over here, but why it's happening there in North America? I mean, uh, uh, anything coming in your mind? So I'm going to make an educated guess of why this is the case. So first of all, Women and minority lack the representation and the role model to look up to when they're at a point of choosing their profession. They can't relate. If I were that little girl sitting in my room envisioning my future, I really don't see myself being stuck in the same office eight hours a day with 50 other old white men with beer and maybe passing around cigars in the break room during lunchtime talking about football. That's probably not something for me. 
And another key problem is that, on average, across the United States,、um, women engineers get paid at least ten percent less than men. Meaning, if a male engineer gets paid ten dollars, a woman engineer who holds the same job title, working on identical task, only gets paid nine dollars by default. And women and other minorities often find themselves stuck under this glass ceiling. Somewhere towards their mid-career stage, so these old white men I'm envisioning that I will be stuck in the office with, they will probably make up the majority of senior and executive management. I don't think I belong there, and that is most likely why women drop out and leave the industry. So it is the system itself. You are saying, Eugene, that the system it need to be. Updated, or it need to be adjusted somehow to fit and to to be more welcoming and fitting for, you know, for women. So there's many layers to this.、Um, the systems, more of a it's more of a society issue.、Um, society somewhat give men and women different roles.、Um, I can't speak on behalf of the rest of the world. But even up until today, we're in 2021. Many people still believe that men should be the person at work, and women should be home taking care of children. And we don't see, we never really envision women being that person who is out on a construction site with that construction hat and trying to instruct or be a construction management role. So there are many different problems,、um, but I think there is a solution. It's just we need to work towards it. What we can do to increase you know, the involvement, but I mean, you just mentioned that、um, uh, about the social conditioning. That the social conditioning they are preparing us to accept this fact that、uh, civil engineering construction is male dominant. So it start. It is earlier than going to the university. For example, now, like I have a daughter, she's five years old, and、uh, by default, because I'm working in construction industry, she's saying a lot about construction. And、uh, I think because they are generation alpha now, I think things will be different. But yet, as you said, we're still 2021. The social conditioning is not helping women to penetrate the construction industry. With the same equity and the equipment that it have been for male, so out of a question here is there what we can do to help the coming generation to avoid this paradox and dilemma. So I'm very glad you also brought up the fact that you have a young daughter.、Um, one thing that I always think is very important in empowering women, and and that kind of applies to all underrepresented groups, is allyship. Woman goes through a lot of、um, social equity or diversity issues, but we cannot just ask for diversity and ask for equity if men don't agree. If men is the dominating population of a specific industry like engineering, so those old white men that I think. Will be I will be stuck with in the office if they don't agree that women will be a very important contributor to the industry. They won't look at us as someone who they should be treated. They should treat equally. 
So there's always the discussion, um, and I always like to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a three-step process, um, and we call it DE&I for short. The industry lacks diversity, so we need to work on increasing recruitment or incorporating, including women, into the STEM field and make them feel included. So we need to change our mentality to make sure that we are promoting the diversity in our industry. And the other thing is we don't practice equity. We don't even get paid on the same scale. And it's difficult also to find inclusion or that sense of belonging if there is no diversity and no equity to begin with. So my recommendation to all companies, and I highly urge everyone to look into this so-called problem. And really, I see that being one of the dilemma that many companies in the United States are still facing today. It really boils down into the concept of diversity, equity, inclusion. And we need men like both of you gentlemen to be our allies and really promote the idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're not too late. We can and we should start fixing that problem by practicing the diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, Mr. Jean, to be to be to be added that, so we can include in, like we can add this equity from high school or from early level from education or no. Like we can add school in order to have this this you know this factor to be added. So in order to have like equity, diversity, and to be it more common. And even we can act, even we can bring parents also for this discussion, isn't it or no? Yeah, just like we talked about um, the fathers of daughters. If they're on the same page, they should be promoting this diversity idea and inclusion idea at home. Talk to your kids. Tell them about the importance of having women in the industry, talk about your work with them, encourage them and empower them so that they're an individual problem solver so they can grow up to be an engineer. I don't really get that when I was a child. My parents didn't really talk to me. We're one of the more traditional conservative family. Parents hold a specific role where they're a little above me. So I don't get to discuss and have conversations with my parents very often. Your family member should be someone whom you can trust, and they should really educate their children, not only the daughter, we want to empower our daughters, but we also want to teach our sons. Don't let, ever forget the little boys. Let them know that diversity is something we encourage and not to be that bully in school that tries to put down women or try to put a stigma or labeling a woman of women don't do engineering, women are not good at mathematics. So Really, it should start as something um, when we're a lot younger, elementary school age. Engage in a conversation with your sons and daughters, your little niece and nephews. And as adults, I think it's a very important component that we as adults set an example as a role model 
we need to practice that diversity and equity ourselves and engage our next generation to the same conversation. So Eugene, um, you know, I just continue where Zatov he said. Maybe I will go further. That diversity and gender equality start from home. You know, it is before anything else, as you mentioned, that we have this uh, default system for daughters and women. You know, you grow up and you be the good wife, the good mom, and this is your path, this is your destiny because of your gender. You know. Believe it or not, still some people in different parts of the world, they believe in this, uh, uh, I, I don't know what you call programming or conditioning that uh, women should do that. So maybe the, the one thing that I will add from out of talk and out of, I don't know if you want to elaborate about that, that it starts from home you know, uh, diversity, as you mentioned, is not only also for women, also for sons, because these sons, they will become the future husband, the future fathers, and they need to support, you know, uh, especially with uh, this generation, you know, rising, rising uh, having a family, rising kids, it takes two. So you have the working mom, you have the working father, and both of them are parenting, you know, and uh, we need this uh, awareness, I mean, I will use this word, awareness about that, that diversity is important in the workplace, and the same thing, diversity in being a parent, you know, and um, this is maybe uh, what I need to highlight, that uh, it's not only the school system, it's the family system, the whole ecosystem should be pushing for diversity from day one. Yes, I agree with you, Ghanem, for that. Yes, we should, I think, from even not all, we have like equity between kids, between sun and education. And not only that, even we have to go to regulation. I believe that even regularity system, like to work with the government or to go with the regularity to have like equity, equity laws. For example, here in UAE, they put an equity laws now to be equitary between one and woman. So do you believe that it can be applied also in the future also, Ms. Nujin? So, so Eugene uh, Atofi was saying that in the ecosystem, we talk about the family, how they should be supportive, but he's talking more about the government sector. Should they, as UAE is doing now, we have a strong policy that it ensures the gender equality in the work and in the payment slip. So should we have a clear and uh, clear implementation about gender equality in different sectors around the world? So that, again, we go back to the same point about the ecosystem, different stakeholders from the home, from the government that it support the gender equality. And if I may add that, uh, you know, Brooklyn Bridge, the story behind Brooklyn Bridge, it is the one of the big evidence that women, they can be brilliant engineering. I don't know if you know the story behind the Brooklyn Bridge, it's a very famous story. And I usually share it with my students. I share it with my friends about how women engineers, they can, you know, they are amazing. And actually, civil engineering was one of the first measures that empowering women engineering. Yeah, so this is a very good point that you brought up. Um, so I'm going to take an example from the Scandinavian countries, Norway, Finland. Um, they're one of the more advanced countries that has gender equity. Um, so we have different preset roles for men and women. So first of all, I think we need to really break that preset role that we think women or men are doing. So aside from we think women are the homemakers, 
um, someone who takes care of the baby, cooking at home, cleaning the house. We also have specific stereotype for what men can do. When we talk about a nurse or a teacher or even a nanny, do you ever imagine a man working in profession like this? A lot of people will say, why would any man wants to be a nurse? That's a woman's job. So that's also a stereotype we need to break through. And if we have a man that is taking care of, they quit their job or take a parental leave when the baby is born. In many societies, including the United States, people will say, why is this person, why is this man being very girly? Why is he taking over the wife's job? And circling back to the Scandinavian countries in Norway and Finland, um, there's a system that men are allowed to have the same amount of parental leave as women. And the government enforces the parental leave by saying this particular parental leave as a father, you cannot transfer that time to the mother. Meaning, and if you don't take that parental leave to go take care of your baby, you lose it. So I don't want to leave. I don't want to lose this paid leave. And why not just take off half a year and spend some time and bond with my baby while my wife goes to work? And that's where the government can really start thinking about how we can enforce to break, enforce a law or a system that breaks the general stigma or the stereotype of what men and women can do. If a government forces certain things, maybe that is when the change will, really will happen. Because when a man takes time off to take care of their baby, some men might find it extremely enjoyable because usually in other countries, men do not get that opportunity to spend the time when the baby is one or two, when they're still very young. And it is never a social stigma in Scandinavian countries. When you see a man or a group of men um, pushing their baby around on the street and talking to another father and just chatting about how I changed the diaper for the child, how I fed the child today. So, I think it's one of those things that we can do from bottom up, meaning starting from our family in a smaller scale, talk to our peers, talk to our family members. And it can also go from top down where the government can do something and have some kind of systematic change trickle down to society and have them work both ways. And somewhere in the middle, perhaps we can reach somewhat of a equitable position for both men and women. So you know, we talk about the family, we talk about the beginning, we talk about the, how the government support that. And uh, so let's go back to engineering now that uh, the status quo currently. So we talk about the solution that we can get their fruits in the future. What kind of solution or intervention, let's say intervention that we should do it now in the engineering sectors that you can say to me, Ghanim, that we need to do this now. We should do it now as, quote-unquote, a quick wins, a quick fix. And then we can apply these strategies that we discussed. Because these strategies, Eugene, it may take time until, say, it's fruits. 
But what do we need to do right now as intervention so that somehow we can f- fix some of our challenges that we are facing? I think that it, it could be very small things that we do. Um, the whole idea of empowering, either it's empowering women or empowering a minority, um, it's about very little subtle things that we do in the office. And if we want to do this quick fix, at least start with our own office. What I always observe in um, many offices, um, not so much of where I work, but a lot of time I will see, I will witness women when they're trying to speak up, they're talking about a topic. And somewhere towards the middle of the conversation, a man will cut in and they just stop the woman from talking and another man jumps in and the men kind of form this little circle and they start having the conversation excludes the woman completely. So some of these little things that we can do, and I don't think it only applies to men, it also applies to women like myself. What we should really do is really to cut off that conversation and say something really simple, like, would you mind letting this person finish? If they're being interrupted, um, we call these microaggressions. Um, this is something that you and I can all do in an office situation. And if we see something that's not fair, if we're being, we're seeing any woman or minority being treated the way that makes us uncomfortable, we should really speak up, be that ally, form that bond of allyship so that we support and empower each other. And this is really something that will come back to us because one day we will also need that allyship, something that we're working on and nobody agrees with us. That allyship will come back to us. It's going to pay back to us eventually. So speak up, always speak up if there is something that you see that is not right and support that person and be able to empower that person by very subtle uh, ways, either by saying something or maybe even stand up and kind of interrupt the conversation. Those are very little things that we can do in our company or in our everyday lives. Uh, so this is it's really interesting, Eugene, because this brings for me about your mission with organization, you know, leadership and mentorship. How these features can support the gender equality and the diversity in the engineering? I mean, you work in the organization, you are a PE, and um, how leadership and mentorship can empower diversity in engineering? I mean, in your opinion, as a case study that you have been witness there. So mentorship is one of those things. Um, I'm very passionate about this topic. So I'm going to break down mentorship into two different perspectives. Um, Why is it important to have a mentor? And why is it important to be a mentor? So mentorship, mentor isn't really that person who looks at me and say, Eugenia, your goal is to promote next year. So, okay, let me talk to your boss and we'll see if we can promote you next year. That's not what a mentor is for. A mentor is someone who can give you the advice. 
and lead you into the culture of the company, and even give you constructive criticism when you're going the wrong direction. A mentor isn't that person who holds your hand and walk you through the finish line. It's a person that guides you through that self-discovery process and find your very own unique way to achieve your goals. So, keep that in mind. Your mentor might not be someone who approaches every problem with you exactly the same way, but that's perfectly fine. Because being able to have a mentor you trust who can guide you to reflect on yourself, on how you grow and recognize your strengths and even weaknesses is extremely, extremely crucial. So that's kind of jump onto the mentor side. There's also significant、uh, benefit of being a mentor. Being a mentor not only gives you that fulfillment of investing in a future young mentee, sharing these great ideas, and teaching them about how equity and diversity works. It's also sharing that moment of accomplishment and success. So, in many cases, a mentor will also learn a great deal about themselves. And how society has changed throughout the process. Here's my personal experience. While I have mentors throughout my career, I still have mentors, and I have been involved in mentoring process for many students. So every so often, I will learn something new from the students. And through many conversation, I realize that time has changed. Society has evolved into a certain way, and. There are always incidents where I step back and start thinking from their perspective, something new and something captivating. It's something that I never grew up with, and that helps me go back and rethink about many decisions I have made. And I take a note of them to help me think differently in the future. So it's a mutual process. And going back into the whole idea of leadership. So leadership is one of those things that we forget as an engineer. We think that as an engineer, the most important thing is to get our job done, crunch in those numbers, and be able to resolve all the problem in design during construction. But we forget that leaders are who really sets the goal. They're the ones that sets the culture and the environment for their staff. If we have a bad leader in the company, that could really create an environment that is uncomfortable for either women, a minority, or even for other men in the company, because they're not setting up the environment that is enjoyable to work in for their staff. So I think that. Either having a mentor or having a good leader is really one of the most important component of engineering in general. Every company and in society, really, we need that mentor, and not only find your mentor, also be a mentor because everything you've gathered through your life, through your career. There is something that's valuable for you to pass down to the next generation, and same thing with a leader. You follow a good leader when you're in your early earlier part of your career, 
But once you grow and evolve, you became that leader that sets the environment, that sets the culture for your staff. And we want to make sure a good culture gets passed down from generations and generations down. You know, Eugene. I mean, just amazing. You you mentioned a line, a point that is it is really eye opening. Is creating the environment. I believe a true leader, his priority to create a healthy environment. Because you know, we have this debate usually. You know, me and Atif and um, also with other friends that I personally have a debate that it is nature versus nurture. I believe that we are productive of our environment more than anything else, you know. And a true leader uh, is um, who want to create a healthy environment. And, you know, I read a lot of books about leadership. And, uh, for example, Simon Sink, again, he, he usually compare leadership with parenting. That they said the Uh, successful parents, successful leaders, and maybe if I can add successful engineers who create the healthy environment, an environment that accepts diversity, an environment that accepts uh, growth, the environment that helps others to become another leaders, you know, and environment there is no bullying, you know, I, I believe there is a lot of organizations they use this uh, bullying attitude, you know, uh, especially about gender equality in construction, you know, you can't sense that, you know. And um, I think, uh, as we uh, we said in the beginning, it starts from home, start from the society acceptance, and it has many aspects and many factors that interact external internal factors, and it's go and I think it's all start with self awareness that with more acceptance we have more awareness toward diversity, and then we have this healthy environment. I mean, uh, and this is, I think, the true inspiration. So, uh, and uh, I, I, I just mentioned about the Brooklyn Bridge. Why I mentioned because the the story of Brooklyn Bridge is so do the persistence and people, many people, doubt women's and engineering Brooklyn Bridge. And and when I was there, I can see that uh, the bridge, how they award Emily about her great job on the Brooklyn Bridge. And so, what do you think about? Uh, I mean, your insight about that, about how we should create this healthy environment. And I think the best example that we we can mention a little bit and we honor Emily about her work on the Brooklyn Bridge. So it's interesting that you mentioned Emily Robin. Um, so her story is very fascinating. Um, she never had an engineering degree. She is that stereotypical woman that's supposed to be a homemaker. Her husband was the chief engineer of the Brooklyn Bridge project. And her husband passed away, unfortunately. So she took on the whole entire burden of completing that project for her husband. And that's, that's fascinating. We never imagined, and that is decades and decades ago, we never imagined a woman is able to accomplish something so great. And I am very sure that up until today, there are many young girls out there that goes to Brooklyn Bridge and said, oh man, there is this amazing woman that was able to accomplish so much a hundred years ago. This is what we can do. And today with more gender equity and more diversity in this world, we as women can accomplish way more because we have the freedom to choose 
and we're slowly breaking away from that stereotype of women cannot accomplish engineering. So I really think having that role model or someone, someone that we can look up to is very important for younger generation, young girls out there, or even boys from a minority group. If they can see someone that can accomplish something great, that is something that will eventually inspire them to pursue something great. Okay, so, I mean, we are going to the, our um, uh, final stage of uh, our episode. So, for the next generation, I usually, you know, I'm very optimistic about um, the coming generation and especially Gen Z. I, I feel they are really smart, you know, when I see them in the classroom and um, in the side. And they have this entrepreneurial spirit and uh, they accept challenge, you know. I, I really admire this. They accept the challenge. They don't um, uh, accept the status quo as it is. They question things, you know. They don't accept the default system as it is. So as a leader, as an engineer, uh, any advice uh, or, or inspiration um, uh, uh, tips for them that how they become uh, more, quote-unquote, healthier engineer uh, and uh, emphasize and boosting uh, diversity in their organization. Uh, from your side, do you think how the future will go for engineering and especially when engineering is it going to the right direction and how we can steer it in the right direction? So far, I think we're going the right direction. Um, there's a lot more work to do. So I'm going to share a small personal story. Um, in 2019, NASA did a live stream of this video of our history's first all-female astronaut spacewalk. So these two amazing female astronauts, they completed a spacewalk all by themselves. It was broadcasted throughout the world. I was so excited. I watched the video multiple times the next few days. And I saw someone posted a comment to this video that their little daughter, maybe 10, 11 years old, they saw the live stream and asked, Mom, if I become an astronaut, can I also go to space? And I really want to say this to little girls out there. Of course you can go to space. Aspire to become an astronaut and an engineer, vice president of the United States. We have our very first woman vice president of the country. And I assure you, as you grow up in today's world, you will see more and more women. And with the allyship of the men who are supporting the women and their growth, and other men and women of different colors, backgrounds, ethnic, ethnic groups, religions, will all be accomplishing great things. You will find that role model who looks like you, that leader, that aspiring mentor that will change your life. And when you grow up, succeed like that role model, like that mentor, like that leader that inspired you, and you'll become another little girl's role model. And I really think that will be the direction of our future in engineering and in society overall. So, uh, Eugene, it's definitely was a pleasure. Personally wise, I really enjoy talking to you. I mean, thanks again for accepting our invitation. You're an inspiration uh, for all young female 
engineers and also male engineers uh, from civil engineer to civil engineer me and Atif we want to thank you and we believe that um, uh, diversity will be in engineering and uh, as a civil engineer we will be the leader we are very biased for civil engineering and we be, uh, we believe that we will steer the change in engineering as we do in the history thanks again uh, any final words from your side so um, I would like to quote a pioneer a fighter of gender equity the former U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also commonly known as the notorious RBG by our fellow netizens. So RBG has once said, real change, enduring change happens one step at a time. Our world is never static. Change is not easy and it will definitely not happen overnight. What we should do as an engineer and as a positive driver to society is to make sure that we're taking steps to make changes to steer our industry and our world to a positive direction. A more diverse, advanced, more inclusive, enduring, and sustainable place for all. This includes men, women, folks from different backgrounds, ethnicity, and religion, and for anyone who wants to contribute and be part of this change. So let's start after our session today. Take that first step to change. Find a mentor. Be that mentor. Start advocating for to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. Be that leader, that role model, and guide and inspire our young children. And all together, we'll bring that positive change one step at a time. So again, Eugene, it was a pleasure, and hopefully, me and Atif will uh, will be honored again to host you in our civil engineering vibe. Thanks again, your inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, it's fascinating, Abuzat. I never know there is discrepancy between men and female and all over the world in STEM major. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I was not aware about it. So, guys, we need to raise awareness not only for for women and only in STEM, but all other, you know, all other field. At least we can have equity between men and female and most of the, at least the majors, I understand that, yeah, but we should have more equity in that. So guys, sharing is caring. So share it to other people and make us a review or send us your feedback will help us a lot. Thank you guys. Take care and wishing you the best. Thanks. It was nice to meet you and remember guy we raised by sharing the knowledge to everyone sharing is caring it was nice to meet you guys and wishing you the best take care guys and wishing you the best you guys have a good, good day and good night thank you